Hi, I'm Jill, and you've landed on the Grow Like a Mother podcast. This is a place where we lean into all things motherhood and personal growth. We talk about the good, bad, and ugly in a way that's real and relatable. Whether I'm interviewing guests or sharing my own wisdom and learnings, this is half an hour for you. Put this on in your car or on a walk, while you're doing chores, wherever it fits into your life and give yourself the gift of prioritizing yourself. You'll hear tips and tricks and tactics to help you get aligned with the version of you that doesn't just go by the name mom. You'll hear my methods of time ownership and goal achievement and learn how to master your mindset and tune into your intuition. These are the things that can create true transformation in how you navigate life and take you from feeling overwhelmed to in control. This is Motherhood Mixed with Woo. Thanks so much for joining me. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Grow Like a Mother podcast. I'm so, so excited that you're here as always joining me and taking a few minutes out of your day to connect with yourself and to learn something that's going to help you level up in your life and achieve all of your dreams and your goals. And we take that very seriously around here, but we also like to have a little fun and Always remember that it is one step at a time, which is why I'm bringing you bite-sized episodes, but packing them full of great information. So today, today is super fun. I didn't think that I would get so into this topic in this episode. We are talking about uh, overall holistic health and wellness And how that relates to your food choices, to your mindset, um, just everything. And my guest today, Katrina, is just so inspiring. And she looks at things from a bit of a different angle than I've ever heard before, which really was exciting to me. So, I mean, she's just chock-a-block with... um, uh, experience. She's a nutritionist. Um, She's a certified health coach. She's got a... um, undergraduate in biology and psychology and a master's in human nutrition. She is a coach right now, first and foremost, but has worked in clinical settings and just has so much knowledge. Um, You'll hear us talk about the quiz on her website and she gave a prediction for what kind of emotional eater I am. And I've just finished the quiz and it actually turns out that I am an ambitious stress eater, which makes total sense to me. Um, but it was, I could have very easily have been, um, the one that she predicted. So it's a really fun episode. I hope you enjoy it. If you got value out of it, please like, and share and rate the podcast, go and follow Katrina on her socials, uh, and take the quiz because I think there's so much to learn. And this podcast, Grow Like a Mother is about growing in all areas of our life not just in the personal development side of things. And um, so I really hope that this adds value to your day. I'd love to hear how it landed with you, just all the things. So I'll stop yammering and get you over to Katrina. I have the beautiful Katrina here with me today. And uh, just welcome to the Grow Like a Mother podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And today we're going to get talking, I mean, we have so much to talk about. I have a few notes written down in terms of things that we want to cover, which include just, you know, tips to improve energy, emotional health, balancing hormones, just overall 
health and wellness specific for moms. But what I'd love to do is to just give the listeners a bit of background about you and sort of where, um, where you teach from, what kind of place that you're at right now. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a nutritionist and a health coach, and I've been practicing now for about three years. And I really approach wellness and nutrition from a non-diet perspective. So that is looking at, at wellness and health more holistically and taking an integrative approach instead of saying, you know, physical health and your weight are the only things that matter. I'm a lot more interested in what is your emotional and mental health like along with that? And what's your relationship with food like? And what's your food story? What are your food rules? Like, what are your routines around your eating habits? And not just your food, but your the rest of your health habits, right? As we know, a lot of lifestyle factors impact our well-being, um, and our bodies are really closely tied to our energy levels, you know, our mental states and our emotional states. So I'm really interested in the big picture. I love it. It's really fun. We can make a big change for people when we look at things more integratively. So that's really how I approach not just nutrition, but overall well-being too. Yeah, I love that. It's so important to tie everything together because it's all so interconnected. And we might think that we have a problem with our physical health for instance, especially moms with like a, that postpartum body mm-hmm. that we're like, we don't look the same. We don't feel the same, but it yeah. might also be factors. And it always is factors that are still emotional that we have to deal with. And mm-hmm. like, there's so many things that are interconnected. And so, um, I'd love to chat about if you, if you do ever work with moms who are dealing with this sort of new body that they've mm-hmm. got and that everything emotionally that comes with that. And like, for the listener who's in that spot now, how can we start to really identify and dig in and make some change with that? Yeah. So I do work with a lot of moms and and this is why I always come back to how important it is to heal our relationship with food and not just with food, but really to separate our self-worth and our self-esteem from our physical appearance, which I know is like the task of the century, right? <laughs> it sounds so easy, but we know it's so hard to do, but you know, the more we can focus on that, the more that body changes aren't going to destroy your mental health, right? Like they're not going to send your self-worth crumbling. And I think that's so huge, you know, as moms, especially new moms, like you're pretty much like for better, you know, better for worse. Obviously every mother I've ever met loves their kids, but you're sacrificing yourself for your child and for your baby. So a lot of the time it can feel like, you know, you're maybe already giving away a lot of your autonomy and who you are, right? You're everything about your life has changed and then your body changes too. And you're like, really this too. So really I encourage moms and, and whatever age, you know, your kids are is like, you got to find your self-worth and find your self-esteem and establish your value because we all have innate value separately from how your physical appearance is. Once that's there, we can start to really focus on like health habits that help you feel better in your body. And we can do those things concurrently, but I think that's the first step is like, do you feel worthy of the good things and and love and respect and kindness in the world now in the body you're in? If not, like, okay, we got some, some beliefs we need to re-examine. Yeah. I love that. Everything starts with mindset. That's how I approach everything as well. It all is mindset and it is all the inner dialogue that we've got going mm-hmm. on. Um, and that work to sort of silence that inner critic is ongoing, but that really is the first step in making any kind of significant change. Right. Absolutely. Um, I'm really interested in talking to you about like our food stories. I know, like, for example, for myself, every, everyone's going to have different things, but for myself, 
I tend to be an emotional eater and I will find myself like chips is my like. Yeah, I feel you there. Right. (laughs) So they're just so good. And when I'm eating the chips, I'm not feeling like I'm stuffing my emotions or I'm. It doesn't feel when I'm indulging like Mm -hmm. I'm doing it to, you know, as a coping. Yeah. Yeah. When I look back after, I'm like, whoa, I ate five bags of chips this week. Like something is up. So yeah. how do I dig into that? So it's so funny you bring that up because I have a quiz on my website that's like to figure out what type of emotional eater you are. And there's three types. And one of them is the pleasure eater. And that's totally your archetype because you're, you're like you said, you're not eating because you're experiencing some crazy intense emotion where you're like anxious or stressed or sad or overwhelmed. You're like, oh, these taste good. And I want to have some, right? That's totally the pleasure eater, but then you end up overeating without really being aware of it. Mm-hmm. So in those cases, and, and that's why emotional eating, that's like where I do a lot of my work actually around is helping people overcome those just like impulsive eating habits that so many of us have in some way, shape or form. Um, but really identifying like, what are, what is the root cause for you? It's like, what I call a little treat syndrome. Like we want something fun to spice up our day. It tastes really good. Like, oh, this is like a good treat, whatever it is. It's not like it's even anything so serious. Like it's almost like, oh, this would be nice. Let me just do this. So that's really where like you've already identified, "Mm, well, this isn't the best thing ever. Like I don't feel super happy with this. We replace. What's something else that you can do that feels still satisfying, you know, but maybe is a little different. So with all my clients, they all get a list of non-food coping mechanisms. And then I give homework to add on like at least five more activities to that. And this varies. This can be meditation or journaling. It can be deep breathing. A lot of the time I really encourage more active like movement. I think we can do a lot by moving energy through our bodies. So go for a walk, like do some body shaking, scream into a pillow if you need to, right? Like if you're like pent up and just overwhelmed, Um, you know, maybe you go for like a five or 10 minute jog outside. Maybe you do a dance video on YouTube. Maybe you call a friend, maybe you clean something up around the house. Like, and it can range anywhere from being something more mundane or something that's more fun and exciting to something that is like relaxing and calming, you know, like coloring in a coloring book, Mm -hmm. but having this like master list of, of non-food coping mechanisms is really useful because you can say, okay, how am I feeling right now? What would actually help? What, what is going to be a, an acceptable replacement for eating, right? And then start there and see how it goes. That's like mind blowing because it, it, the way that we would normally think about it, at least for me, um, is that, okay, chips isn't a good idea. I'll replace it with something healthier and I'll still do the, the, the thing of eating, but I'm right. going to do something that's quote healthier, but you're not establishing and you're not like dealing with the emotional habit that goes behind that. That's super cool. I love that. Just transitioning to a non-food. Yeah. And I do want to clarify. I like, I don't think it's bad to snack. I love snacks. I'm a big fan of that, but I do think there's room for like, if this is happening every day and you're like, eh, this isn't really serving me. Let me maybe do something else that is like not specifically eating, right? Versus just replacing it with something healthier like popcorn. And some days if you're like, ooh, I, I want to watch this movie on Netflix and I really want to have a snack, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I feel like a lot of the time we end up overeating. And that's what you're saying is like, that's what's not really beneficial. Let me find something else to actually address that root cause. Yeah, absolutely. And so then 
on the flip side of the coin, I'm thinking back to when I was firstly like a brand new mom. I couldn't get my shit together to make dinner for anybody, mm-hmm. let alone myself. And what I would yeah. find myself doing is just like snacking on the stuff throughout the day that I was feeding the babies, which was fine. Mm-hmm. But then my dinners would be the leftover scraps of what they didn't eat. Totally. You know, they started eating or like a bowl of cereal. And I didn't have the energy and I didn't want to spend the time or I couldn't find the time to do a proper dinner for myself. And mm-hmm. I struggled with that. To be honest with you, I still struggle with that. Like I'm by myself tonight and I'll probably have a bowl of cereal. Like, yeah. Do you have any advice for that on how we can maybe prioritize our own um, nutrition? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I see that all the time with moms, right? That literally moms are like superhumans and they're surviving on like what is the joke like the crust of their kids freaking sandwiches and like the leftover broccoli bits and I'm like moms you do so much but you're killing (laughs) so how do we deal with it I encourage people mothers but like anyone who struggles with just taking the time and not having the energy or the mental capacity because let's be honest planning meals is a mental freaking load it is cognitive work Mm -hmm. so if that is you what like falling into that frozen meals pre-made stuff is my recommendation. And that might sound counterintuitive coming from a nutritionist, but hello, if the alternative is like having a bowl of cereal or again, like your kids leftover sandwich scraps, I would much rather have you eating like an actual nutritious, tasty meal, even if it's frozen or pre-made, right. Than like barely eating anything at all, or, you know, shoveling down a bag of chips because that's like the only thing that you can think to do and you're starving. So That, you know, I also will say, I feel like a lot of frozen meals have come a long way from like 20 years ago when they kind of first were really hitting the market. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff at Trader Joe's. Like I feel like every grocery store I go to has a great selection of frozen veggies, you know, some different frozen proteins, um, fully frozen, like just dinners that are pre-made. I really like a lot of my clients really like the tattooed chef meals. Um, the purple carrot ones are good too. So whichever ones that you like, and if frozen meals, you're like, I don't want to do that. Lean more into like frozen proteins, right? So maybe it's some kind of like grilled chicken that you can find in the freezer and some grilled veggies. Then you either throw those in the microwave or in your air fryer. You know, that's pretty minimal thought. Toss it in the air fryer. You're probably doing something else anyway. At least you're having a nutritious dinner. So I'm a big fan of that. The other thing too, that I really encourage moms, if, you know, if it's in the budget is ordering some um, meal kit delivery, So there's so many services like that now. And I really say like to moms, they are putting everyone else, you're putting everyone else in front of your own needs. This is a time where like, you got to put on your own oxygen mask. So it's okay. I'm here's your permission slip to be a little selfish with that, right? Like you're going to take care of your kids no matter what, but someone needs to take care of you. And if like those meal kits or frozen meals are going to be doing that, I am all for it. So those are really like my top recommendations because going from not cooking at all to trying to cook a meal from scratch for yourself, it's just not going to happen. So let's be realistic about that. Instead of feeling guilty and feeling like, man, I'm not even doing this right. Like there's no need for that. And you're doing a great job as a parent, right? So make it easier for yourself where you can. I love you. I'm so (laughs) excited. (laughs) Cause these are things that are like, they're just, they give you permission to do it and not be perfect at it Mm -hmm. and take that expectation of yourself off. Like sometimes just enough is enough and one step better is still better. Right. Absolutely. I love that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think too, it's like being realistic. It's like, Hey, we live in these crazy busy worlds and moms are expected these days to work and raise their two kids and like clean the house at home. And that's obviously going to vary for each, you know, each family and each mother. But I feel like still so much of what I see is like, that's the expectation, you know? So when you're juggling so much on your plate, that's so unrealistic ever to ask one person to manage. It's like, Hey, we got to cut, cut you some slack somewhere. You're doing a great job. Like there's nothing wrong with leaning for more prepared foods as a great nutrition option. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Love Permission that. Granted. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I want to go back to something that you touched on super briefly, and I want your take on, and that is meal planning and meal prep. So for Mm. people who have, and I've heard both sides of it and I struggle a little bit with where I fall because I understand that if you do, if you front load the work and you do the prep, the meals are easier throughout the week. But I also Mm -hmm. feel like I don't have the time to do the prep. So like, what's the happy, is there an answer there? Yeah. Great question. Honestly, I'm so glad you asked this. So I really think a lot of it, and this is how I approach like health habits for each individual and and creating sustainable, like health protocol is what I call it. What is your personality? I'm the type of person where what I think sounds good on Sunday does not sound good on Tuesday. (laughs) So my meal prep typically just like doesn't work because even if I prep something, if I'm trying to eat that, I don't do that anymore because I figured that out a long time ago that that just doesn't work for my personality type. What I prefer to do is prep like larger batches of ingredients. So now it's more like I'll keep the raw veggies that I love on hand. So I always have like English cucumbers and and carrots and bell peppers on hand and lettuce of like a few different kinds. And then I'll have like one or two proteins that are pre-made in my fridge. So I'm plant-based. I am making grilled tofu in my air fryer on the pan, like at least twice a week. And then I usually have some frozen proteins as well that I can like pull out real quick. You know, I keep more like prepped ingredients on hand and especially protein. So many of us do not, like we hear a lot about protein and if you're eating animal products, chances are like you're probably getting enough protein, but a lot of moms, you know, like you said, Jill, if you're doing the whole like sandwich crust and bowl of cereal at the end of the night, chances are you're really not getting too much like nutrition in there either, right? Which is understandable. But so just like prioritizing that of like, can I have two sources of protein ready to go? And that can just be like Greek yogurt and frozen berries. Like it doesn't have to be anything fancy or like completely from scratch either. So choosing those core ingredients and more so meal components that you know you like, you know, if you hate quinoa, I have some clients who are like, I just can't do it. I am not telling them to make it right. Maybe they like orzo or whole grain pasta better. Can you choose like one or two types of grains and then keep a few different veggies on hand that are ready to go or that you can quickly cook up when, you know, lunchtime or dinner time comes. So that way, you don't, one, you're not wasting food Two, which is huge. I feel like so many people with meal prep end up wasting food because it's just not appetizing, which is totally understandable. So that's another kind of advantage of prepping like more components instead of like prepping individual meals Two, you're not having to cook for three hours on Sunday. And then you end up wasting the food and then you feel doubly bad. Right. And three, you have more meal permutations to kind of allow for like your time and your, your food desires, which is really important too. I love that. That's such a simple switch on the way that we would normally think about it. Well, we're used to seeing like the gym bro, like macro counting chicken and broccoli and white rice or like nothing at all. I feel like it's either like the extreme of every meal and snack is prepped or like nothing. So like, where's the happy medium? (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And I, I live in that sort of 
in between space. I love to find solutions that are like not on either side of the pendulum. They're just everything in moderation kind of stuff. Yeah. And just like sustainable for you. And I feel like that's what's missing so often with nutrition and like wellness recommendations is that they can feel so extreme for the average person who, you know, isn't a health professional or like a wellness influencer and doesn't have eight hours a day to spend on like cooking and exercise, you know? Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, I have a burning question and that Mm -hmm. is what is the most important meal of the day? Oh my gosh. What a good question. You're really coming hitting me. I'm like so into this. I, I love this. Honestly, I feel like I can't, this is so annoying. I feel like I can't answer that because I honestly, I really think all three meals are so important. Um, I will say is breakfast the most important, not necessarily, but it is important. Like truly all three meals a day. That's what matters. Okay, cool. And, and that's, that's annoying. But if there's one thing I could do like to help people have better nutrition, it would literally be like making everyone eat three meals a day because so many of us end up under eating or skipping breakfast and then you end up overeating at night and then you feel like crap and then you do it all again. So yeah, and that's- say start breakfast earlier if you can. Okay. I like that. It's funny that you said under eating because my mom is one of those um, women who is a constant dieter and she's trying all the diets and yeah. she's, she's slim. Like she doesn't, but for her, that's, she's got this motivation to constantly diet. And she finds when she counts her calories, like she never gets enough. Yeah. Like, that's so crazy. So then I guess like your body's sort of going into starvation mode and it's protecting its fat. So it wants to keep it. So of course you're not losing the weight, even though you're not eating enough calories. And it's this whole like mental break. You have to shift that. And- it's horrible. It's crazy. Yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah. I mean, that's why I'm like nutritious meals. Let's focus on meal components. And, and two, I encourage people to really like connect and check in with your body. Like, do you have hunger cues? Do you have satiety cues? Do you recognize what those symptoms of hunger are in your body? And we might be like, oh, well, that's obvious. But for everyone, it's kind of different. Do you know how to stop eating when you're full? Are you zooming through your meals and like shoveling your dinner down your throat because your kids are like screaming upstairs, you know, whatever the case may be. So really any chance we have to like slow it down a little bit and just eat those three square meals a day, even if it's like different times that that's what I encourage. Okay, cool. Cool. And what are some other sort of habits surrounding food, eating nutrition in general that you would recommend to people? I think really, you know, along with what I just mentioned, one thing I really encourage people to do is just like take three deep breaths before you sit down and eat. And this can be a healthy meal. It can be an indulgent meal. Like it doesn't matter what kind of food you eat. Um, just taking a few deep breaths will really help just to like center your, your energy and your attention to where you're at right now. And this doesn't mean you have to like have the most mindful meal ever. Like I think everyone and especially moms know that like there is no way in heck that's going to happen most of the time. And that's fine. But if you can like do yourself the favor of like, Hey, I'm going to take a couple deep breaths before I like try to shovel the salad into my face you're going to be reminded, oh, okay, this is actually going to go better if I like slow down a little bit <laughs> and I'm going to feel more connected to my body. Right. Um, along with that, one thing I always share with my clients and my audience is that food does not have moral value. You are not a better or a worse person, depending on the food you eat. Foods are not good or bad. The way I explain it is that some foods are more nutrient dense and others are a lot less nutrient dense. Some foods are, are ultra processed. Some foods are like whole foods, you know, like our whole plant foods. 
but there is no moral value assigned to foods and therefore we can't be good or bad because of what we eat the more you can really embrace that the more like you the more you have autonomy over your food choices instead of like living by diet culture and food rules yeah i love that it's very much in line with like intuitive eating right that's something that yeah that's a big principle of intuitive eating i definitely teach a lot from inspired by the principles of intuitive eating. I do see one sort of not even big issue, but one thing that I have witnessed a lot with clients. And I think in the online space around like intuitive eating, anti-diet, you know, like healing your relationship with food is that there are a lot of people who want to have a better relationship with food, but also want to lose weight at the same time. Mm -hmm. And in the more traditional intuitive eating, there's not space for that. So I really encourage people like, Hey, let's create that connection with yourself and with your body and understand like, where's the desire for weight loss coming. But I'm going to be here. If that's a goal you have, I'm going to be here to help you with that in a sustainable and realistic way. Because one, I like want to respect you and your desires, but also two, I don't want to like turn you out to the wolves of again, like the online gym diet culture, you know, space that's so extreme and intense about weight loss. So I really think the more we can present like sustainable and realistic and more compassionate approaches to helping people reach their health goals, whatever they may be like the better off everyone will be. Yeah, I totally agree. That's such fantastic work that you're doing. It's just, it's, Thanks. A- it's really fulfilling. It's really yeah. great to help people like change their, their belief system around food and just like see the changes you mentioned earlier, like an energy that you have and like mental clarity and your digestion is better. And, you know, just like really being able to alleviate some of those symptoms that a lot of people have been walking around with for years is amazing. Yeah. And what about, um, balancing hormones and using food and nutrition as that? Because I think a lot of us are out of whack without realizing it in that department. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's something that I'm hearing more and more about and I'm interested, but I don't even know what it really even means. Can you give me a little bit? So you actually hit like right on the money there. And that's something where there is so much talk online these days about balance your hormones, like holistically and your hormones are out of balance. And it's like, what does that even mean? What even hormones can someone name them? Yes. (laughs) Right. I was reading about this the other day in like an online forum and people were like, I bet half these like influencers talking about hormones could not name more than like two hormones in the body, which is so true. So all of this to say, I really encourage women, if you're feeling like, you know, you have symptoms of hormone imbalance, this can vary depending on the type of hormone imbalance, but try to get like a hormone panel run or like there's something called a Dutch test that you can seek out through usually like naturopathic doctors offer this some um, osteopathic doctors, you know, just different like health practitioners may offer this. You can order it online, but usually you want a professional to interpret the results. The reason for this is that there are a lot of the signs of hormone imbalance are kind of dubious and vague and could be attributed to a lot of other things. That's not to take away from the fact that they're real and people do experience those symptoms, but I really encourage people to like, take a little bit more of a cautious approach to it and not like jump on it just because it's like the new trendy thing. And because everyone online is talking about it because it is like, there are endocrinologists who are doctors and go to school for 10 years, you know, to be able to talk about this and help people identify their hormone imbalances. So that's my biggest thing is like, maybe, you know, seek out some, uh, you know, a, a consultation with your doctor or your health provider before really doing some, I don't know what hormone balancing cleanse that you find on Instagram. Not that you would do that, Jill, but do you know what I mean? I really yes. think 
we throw caution to the wind sometimes because it seems like someone's got the answer. And if we're really struggling, it can be easy for like that more rational thinking just to like, we forget about that. Right. So that's my biggest thing. Now, when it comes to actually using foods, there's a lot that we can do from a health perspective to help regulate our hormones. So a lot of the time, what we see with women is a lot of women are estrogen dominant. So one thing that I really encourage for estrogen dominance is to consume um, a lot of high fiber foods. And there are certain foods that are high in phytoestrogens, which are basically like a very, very weak form of plant. It mimics estrogen. So they're found in foods like soy. So actually for a lot of women um, going through like menopause, a lot of clients that I work with there, I encourage them to eat two to three servings of organic soy products a day because we found that they have much lower impacts and symptoms of menopause and lower risk of breast cancer later on in life. So certain things like that, you know, depending on what sort of hormone dominance you have, that can be really huge. So another thing too, in general, I would say is the more cruciferous veggies you can incorporate, the better, especially for estrogen dominance. Um, high fiber foods help to pull excess estrogen from your intestines, like when it's you know moving through your, your gut and your system. Ground flax seeds are really great. Cycle syncing um, and seed cycling. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but basically it's like, you know, you consume different types of seeds each week of your cycle. So that's really interesting. And that can be something that like you can find a guide online of which seeds to eat at which times put them in your smoothie your yogurt your granola your salads like whatever is easy just like put them in something and and just consume them they're really high in omega-3 fatty acids and that those can be helpful to help regulate hormones right and again if you're really concerned about something I really encourage you to go see your your healthcare provider yeah no that's fantastic advice I think it always starts with do some research but get a professional opinion um yeah yeah. And use that for guidance. Um, I like the idea of seed cycling. I've heard of this before and it mm -hmm. was actually something I was going to ask you about, um, was, are there foods that you would recommend based on our menstrual cycles and, um, and how we can support ourselves during the different times. But I feel like that could be a whole other conversation. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So there is like so much that can be said about that. I really think though, addressing any nutrient deficiencies that you have, a lot of women are anemic. So low in iron and I, okay. I've studied biology. I've studied, um, I have a master's in human nutrition, <laughs> worked as a health educator. Like I have a decent amount of clinical experience. It wasn't until probably like four years ago that I learned that the reason so many women are anemic is because we have a period and we bleed every month mm -hmm. and your body like contains iron in your blood. It's not stored anywhere else in the body besides our blood. And I was like, oh my gosh, how is it that I have an undergraduate degree in biology and no one ever talked about this? This is crazy, right? So that's a big one, just addressing nutrient deficiencies. Magnesium is another really common supplement that I recommend. Vitamin D, I live in the Pacific Northwest where like today it's partly cloudy, but most of the time <laughs> it is so gray. So vitamin D supplements are great especially for people who are dealing with like low energy stress. Hello, moms talking mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. Um, a B complex vitamin can be really useful. That's something I will recommend pretty regularly. Again, I have to say, you know, it's a caveat, talk to your healthcare provider, but generally most supplements, as long as they are like good quality, you're not going to be doing harm by adding them in. Worst case scenario, you're going to be peeing it out. So a lot of supplements too are water soluble in the body. If you're if you 
consume more than your body can store, you'll pee it out. Um, but, but some, some supplements like vitamins A, D, E, and K are all fat soluble. If you were to take a hundred thousand IUs of vitamin D, then we would definitely have cause for concern. But I think most people like have the common sense not to do that. Right. Totally. It's interesting. Those are the ones that you name because those are like of the, of the supplements I take. Cause I just went through this whole, um, blood paneling and uh, cortisol testing and all this stuff, um, gut wow. with a, with a naturopath. And now we've gotten me down and I'm on magnesium, vitamin D B12 uh, and fish oil. Yeah. I was going to add omega threes too. Yeah. yeah. And so it's cool to know that that's super common and they're mm-hmm. really accessible and that coupled with good nutrition, it's not a bad thing to add in. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I really take, you know, supplementation from like a food first approach. Can we add in more foods that are rich in in these micronutrients? However, at the end of the day, like it's not always possible to eat foods that are super high in in B12 or maybe your body needs more. Right. A lot of the time with, with people, especially women, moms, again, who are stressed and maybe not getting enough sleep, maybe getting interrupted sleep, right? Like energy levels are low. B complex and B12 can be a really, really useful supplement that you're not necessarily, it's not going to be realistic for you to eat enough food to consume that, that micronutrient. So absolutely. I think supplementation can be a really excellent part of your overall health protocol, but not turning just to supplements as like, you know, a sort of bandaid slap on support system, but really, you know, like you were saying, creating that, that more total lifestyle change. Yeah. Okay. And as we are talking about creating lifestyle change, how can people learn from you? Because I am all about Katrina. I am like going to go on all of your platforms, consume as much <laughs> as I can. So yeah. where can I direct the audience? Cause I know that they're like just jumping out of their seats right now. Like I am. So where can we find you and learn from you? I share a lot of stuff on TikTok actually. And my handle is at Katrina Cofed, which I will send you so you can link because like we talked about, my name is kind of tricky, <laughs> but I also talk a lot on Instagram where I'm at passion for plants. I love YouTube. I obviously like to talk. I like to get more into detail because I think it's hard to condense nutrition and health information down. So I love talking about things on YouTube in depth. I actually have a series called diet culture debunked where I go through some of like the more popular diets over the years. I just did one about keto and I've done like Octavia and Herbalife and all these fun ones. And I kind of just evaluate them. It's more, it's fun and lighthearted. So I'm on YouTube over there and I post pretty regular articles about just how to like change your behavior, how to heal your relationship with food, improve your nutrition over on my blog. So that is www.passionforplants.com. Thank you so much. Those are amazing resources. I'm going to go do that quiz, but I even already know what I'm going to do. I can't wait. You're going to have to tell me like for sure, because that would be my guess, but who knows? Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you again so much for your time and your wisdom today. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I want to thank you so much for tuning into the Grow Like a Mother podcast this week. You can find more great tips, motivation, inspiration, and community on Instagram and Facebook at Grow Like a Mother on both platforms. And if you enjoyed today's show and wish that you had found it sooner, I invite you to leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening. Doing so really helps promote the show to other moms just like you who want to grow and level up in their lives. 
And if you want to stay connected by email, I invite you to sign up for the email list by visiting the website, which is www.livingwithheart.ca or diving into the free five-part video series that I recorded just for you. You can find all of the links and the details in the show notes. Until next week, keep on growing like a mother.